Hi, and welcome to Popaholics, the show where dad and daughter dish on pop culture over a drink. I'm Steve Hall. I'm Kate Hall. Kate, what are you drinking? I'm drinking coffee. <laughs> Cup number two. I'm drinking coffee a, as well. I held this up. I was like, wait, wait, I have to. <laughs> I'm getting my coffee. Hold on. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, today's show, today's show is uh, dedicated to our lab rescue, uh, Max, who we had to say goodbye to, unfortunately, after uh, 12 great years. He was a great dog. I will tell one quick uh, Max story. He was not a big pop culture dog, but he did love a good party. And, and the way we know this is one time when we lived in Port Clinton, Ohio, he got out. Trisha got a call from the Party Mart. And the Party Mart is this place where you you can drive through and then, you know, they'll come out. You'll, you'll order your, 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 your beer or your wine or ice cream, whatever. But normally yeah. people use it to get beer. So the party mark called Trisha and said, um, your dog's here. And <laughs> he just kind of, we looked out, he was just kind of sitting there like he was ready to order. <laughs> and as Trish points out, even though he was old enough in dog years, they did not serve him. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, that's Max. We miss you, buddy. All yeah. right. So Kate, what uh, pop culture have you been consuming? Um, well, so jumping right in, I just finished a really great book that actually came out in 1971 called The Lathe, Lathe of Heaven by, uh, hope, hopefully you're going to have to help me out, Dad, Ursula K. Le, Le Guin, Le Guin? Ursula Le Guin, yes. For those that have not read this book, basically the story is about in a near future world beset by war, climate change, and overpopulation, George Orr discovers that his dreams have the power to alter reality. And of course, uh, Orr is the only one that knows that he can do this. So he turns to a behavior behavioral psychologist for help. The psychologist, Dr. Haber, um, as you might have guessed, has other plans on how to help George deal with this, this issue. And so it was, it was a really quick read. It was very thrilling. It was scary, but not too scary. And um, I wrote in my notes that there's, it was really interesting for me to read it now in 2022, because if you're, if you're on, like, I like to call it the witchy side of, of Instagram and social media, there's so much focus on the power of your thoughts, how your thoughts shape your reality. And like, you know, we've all heard of law of attraction, the secret, like that, all that kind of thing. And so I thought it was really interesting that she wrote about this in 1971 before I was even born and took it to the nth degree. Like your thoughts aren't only shaping your reality. It's literally, it's affecting everyone. And is that good or bad? Can it be can your thoughts really be harnessed like that? Should they be harnessed like that for, you know, for the greater good? What does that look like? All that kind of stuff. So it was really, really interesting. And, you know, and we talked about it for a few episodes, really disappointing in some ways that we've known about climate change for quite a long time. Um, and it was covered up for quite a long time. Right. And then of course, a lot of the other stuff in the book about racial issues, overpopulation, 
extraction from the environment, like all of the stuff that's going on that was an issue back then is still an issue now. Like I said, disappointing, but also like, it's weird to say comforting, comforting, comforting in that someone else was thinking about it. And, you know, and writing, I think to me, even if you're writing a fictional story, it's like you're trying to get through something. So that was really interesting. And what else I don't do I think have? I've read that particular book of Le Guin's. I've read your C trilogy, which is uh, amazing. Great, great fantasy trilogies. Um, but yeah, Life of Heaven. So I'll have to look that up. <laughs> I blew your socks off. We should just end the episode. We should Goodbye. end it there. No. <laughs> Actually, I was trying to think of, do I talk now about a TV series or a book? Because I they're sort of, I'll go ahead and talk about the, the TV series. Russian Doll just began its second season on Netflix. If people have not seen this show, Natasha Leon, I think is how you say her name, mm-hmm. who was uh, Nikki Nichols uh, on uh, Orange is the New Black. Uh, and she's been in many movies. She was in the American Pie series. She plays Nadia, who is a foul-mouthed, fast-talking, cigarette-puffing New Yorker who gets <laughs> stuck in a time loop at her birthday party. And so what happens is she is looking in the mirror. She's in the bathroom at her friend's apartment because, you know, they're having this birthday party for her. Then she leaves and then she proceeds to die in various ways. And every time she tries to prevent dying, she dies a different way. Next thing you know, she's back in the bathroom at the friend's apartment. So along the way, she meets another time traveler, a guy named Alan, who's played by Charlie Burnett, Barnett, who was on um, Chicago Fire, that NBC drama. And they try to figure out why, why they're stuck in the loop. And it's just crazy. And there are these uh, memorable characters, a character named Ruthie, who's, who's sort of her, who is sort of her stand-in mom because her real mom is crazy. Just a mess, hot mess. Played by veteran Tony-winning actress Elizabeth Ashley, who's 82. So in this second season, as Nadia's 40th birthday approaches, she decides to go back and try to change the past. Okay. Uh, to use the time travel yeah. stuff to right a wrong and improve the life of her and her mom. And what happened was when her mom was pregnant with Nadia, she was involved in helping this kind of low-level con guy steal these Krugerrands, gold coins, that the family had because all of their other possessions were taken by the Nazis. So Nadia's mission is to go back and make sure that theft doesn't happen and that these Cougarans are around so she can go to college and she and her mom can have a great life and so on. And her mom is played by uh, Chloe S-E-V-I-G-N-Y, however you say that. Chloe Savinia? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It plays her mom. Okay, so this, this particular season jumps around and at different points, Nadia is in her mom's body, pregnant body. At other okay. times, she's in her grandmother's body. Okay, oh, She's flipping around between current time, a month in the future, 1980s, 1960s, and of course, 1944 with the yeah. Nazis. It really gets trippy. There's one point where... Nadia's on the train. That's how she 
accesses the time loop is getting on a certain train and she's holding a baby and the baby is her. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's pretty mind bending, right? Meanwhile, Alan <laughs> has gone back to Berlin in the 60s. He's in the body of his grandmother, who is in, sort of in love with this German guy. And there's stuff afoot with, with this German guy in terms of something he's planning. Like I said, it gets pretty trippy. It's uh, smart and funny. Sometimes it goes off the rails a little bit, but still a very fascinating show with um, uh, some great laugh out lines. I can't repeat many of them. <laughs> there, yeah, I, I don't Nadia's know Nadia's out. Yeah, I remember um, when the first season came out and I started it and I didn't finish it for one reason or another. But yeah, the the language is pretty wild. So. Yeah. So this is Russian Doll and it was created and produced by uh, Natasha Leon, Amy Poehler, Parks and Recreation, and somebody else. Saturday Night Live. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I keep reaching behind me to put my coffee back so I don't spill it everywhere. So my show that I can talk about is, first of all, I got talked into Apple TV. <sighs> it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and so on Apple TV, there is a series called Slow Horses. Um, it is a spy thriller based on a novel. I can't remember the novelist's name. I'm sorry, but I know it's based on a, a book. And so this spy thriller stars some greats, Gary Oldman, Kristen Scott Thomas, and then Jack Loudon, who is in a really, really great movie about Morrissey. And I think yeah. the movie is called England is Mind, if I'm remembering correctly. So these these three, I would say, are the main characters. And then there's a ton of really great supporting characters as well. Mick Heron wrote the books. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and so then basically the plot is a an agent named River Cartwright, uh, who is played by Loudon, is ousted from MI5 to Slough House, which is a dumping ground for disgraced MI5 employees. So in the first episode, you see why, um, or you see why you think that he ends up there. And so Slough House is led by Jackson Lamb, who is Gary Oldman, great as always, funny, mean, super smart, snarky, like just really, <laughs> just really like classic, like, oh, I hate this guy, but I love this guy. So then he ends up there. And then basically the slow horses, the all of these people that are um, banished to Slow House discover a cover up and they have to outwit the Deputy Director General of MI5. Wow. Uh, Diana Tavner, played by Kristen Scott Thomas. That's a mouthful, I know. They've got to outwit her or else. And it's really, it's really good. Um, I feel like the chemistry between all the cast is really great. The action's great. It's fun. I can't say too much more because I don't want to give anything away. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's really the good. Slow Horses on Apple TV. On Apple TV. And Russian Dolls on Netflix. Anything else about that? I have something else I want to talk about. I have a band that I can talk about just very briefly, but that's it. Okay, well, let me, let me talk about this book. So I was in the library, and I love to go in the library and just uh, wander around and pull books off. And Yeah. You know, so I was in, I think I was in the arts section uh, of the stacks, and I found this book 
The Fiddler in the Subway, the true story of what happened when a world-class violinist played for handouts and other virtuoso performances by America's foremost feature writer, Gene Weingarten. This is a book that came out in 2010. Gene Weingarten was in, for a long time, was an editor at the Miami Herald. He was the guy that hired Dave Barry to write humor. And then he went on to the Washington Post and he became a, a feature writer. He's the only feature writer to win two Pulitzer Prizes. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So he's done other stuff. He's, he wrote this syndicated column for years called Below the Belt kind of based below the beltway based on, um, you know, stuff that happening in Washington, DC, as well as a comic strip called Barney and Clyde about a very rich guy and a homeless guy kind of juxtaposing their um, lives. And anyway, last year he announced he couldn't come to the terms with the Washington post. And so he was no longer going to be working for him. So this fiddler on the subway is a collection of features that he wrote. They range from funny to probing to heartbreaking. Good feature writing requires great reporting. Uh, Weingarten sometimes will start with a gimmicky idea, like he kept reading about various places that were called the armpit of America. And so then he decided he would go out to one of them and see if that was justified or not. So he goes out there and he's originally planning to write this gimmicky kind of, you know, funny piece. Okay, but he has his first visit, and then between the first visit and the second visit, 9-11 happens. Um, and so when he goes back the second time, he is desperate to not make fun of these people. He wants to find a reason, you know, a uh, reason why he should talk about what's great in this community and so on. So, And a lot of times that's what happens. So he'll start with something kind of a, a goofy idea and then it'll get to some like basic human truths in it. Okay. So this, the title piece, the fiddler in the subway, which I haven't gotten to yet. He, he went with Joshua Bell, the world renowned, renowned violinist into the subway. Didn't he put a, Joshua Bell went to IU, didn't he? Yeah. And Joshua hey, Bell. Yeah, a loser. <laughs> so Joshua Bell goes in there and he has his, you know, Stradivarius violin that's worth how much God knows how much money. Right. And he's playing and people in the subway are just walking by because they have no clue who he is, how good he is. Right. So that's, that's the title piece is about that. Then the one that I just thought was amazing uh, is called the great zucchini. And what happened was Weingarten found out about this guy who's the highest paid children's party entertainer in the Washington, D.C. area. And he's this guy who calls himself the great His name zucchini. Is great zucchini. <laughs> okay. And so he, he goes out to some of the parties where the great zucchini is entertaining. And the, this guy, he's amazing. He's just fabulous with kids who are from about two to six years old. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's also kind of a diva in that he doesn't tolerate food during his set. He doesn't tolerate parents talking. If there is something he might think is a visual distraction uh, to the kids, he will have the he will make the parents tape a bed sheet up so they won't be able to see. Okay, <laughs> and he makes he makes over just working weekends. He's making over a hundred thousand dollars a year, and that was in 2010. It's probably more now. Whoa, that's wild. So the thing is, 
when Weingarten goes out to these parties, he notices some weird things. First of all, this guy never arrives in, in his own car. He always comes and goes via taxi. And then he, even though he's making all this money, his props just are like on the verge of falling apart. Okay. And so he's like, what, what's going on with this guy? And so then he proceeds to really get to know him, to, to look into his background and they go on this trip to Vegas together. I mean, it's just, it's just a crazy thing. And the thing is you, what could have been just this kind of blow off a funny piece about, well, this guy makes a hundred thousand dollars, you know, doing stupid tricks at kids' parties. Right. And this really illuminating, um, kind of sad piece about this guy. You really, you really know who this guy is. So I highly recommend this book, Fiddler on the Subway. And he has other books, this writer does, and I, I haven't read any of them yet, but that's Fiddler on the Subway. It's really good. Cool. Well, <laughs> the only other thing that I have to say, like I said, is um, I've been uh, getting recommended some new new music or not new music, but people that I haven't heard of that I've never listened to. One of the bands that was recommended to me is a band called Camp. That's C-A-A-M-P. They're a folk band from Ohio. I think you would like them, Dad, because specifically one song, I think it's called By and By, mentions West Virginia. Hmm. Um, (laughs) And then the song that I really like is called Vagabond. And then they're on, I'm sure, all the streaming platforms. But just really, they kind of remind me of Mumford and Sons, but not 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 British, American, Ohio boys. Ohio Um, boys. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Hey, I love Mumford and Sons. And all of that music came from, it just like, you know. It came from everywhere. Like, right. yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, that's that's all I got. Okay. <laughs> Camp. Camp. So I'll check them out. I'll mention since we started with a sci-fi fantasy author, we'll end with a sci-fi fantasy author. author. Yep. Terry Pratchett is the beloved um, author of the Discworld series of comic fantasy novels. I love these books. There are a few writers that I keep their books in the house. Uh, he's one of them. I have several of them. Just love them. And Wikipedia describes it, describes Discworld pretty, pretty great. The books frequently parody or take inspiration from classic works, usually fantasy or science fiction, as well as mythology, folklore, and fairy tales, and often use them for satirical parallels with cultural, political, and scientific issues. Big mouthful. The book I'm going to talk about is called The Nation, and it's a little bit of a departure uh, from this. It's a young adult novel. And it appears to be set in our South Pacific. Appears to be set is key there because it's, okay. you find out late, much later, it's not really our South <laughs> Pacific, but it does seem to be. So this, uh, there's this um, boy named uh, Mao, M-A-U is how I'm thinking it's pronounced. And he goes off to the, he's like a, a South Pacific Island kid. And he goes off to this island to, become a man okay Okay. Uh, it's a ritual that you have to do go through okay Mm -hmm. so as he's coming back from there a giant wave comes along and wipes out 
the entire community where he lived. Oh my God. That's terrible. Right. Wipes out the entire community where he lives. He is uh, wrestling with all these questions, like, because they they worship these gods, uh, you know, on this island. And so he's wondering, do the gods not care about us? Uh, What if they don't exist? If they don't exist, is everything that I, the way I was raised, a lie? So he's wrestling with all that. Okay. Meanwhile, the same wave uh, made the ship crash on the island. And the only survivor is, she would be like a British girl, okay? <laughs> and she uh, she is uh, uh, kind of wrestling with all of the conventions of like Victorian England kind of deal. Uh, and she's okay. figuring out what to do. And of course, they meet, they're, you know, attracted to each other, okay? But then they're things like survival <laughs> right? and uh, there are cannibals uh, around. Uh, there's this oh, no. stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. It's an adventure survival story. It's somber at times. It's wildly humorous at times. And, you know, it's thought provoking in terms of some of the questions about um, faith and uh, culture. So a very satisfying book, The Nation by Terry Pratchett. Nice. After Kate and I finished recording our show, I happened to get to see everything, everywhere, all at once. So I wanted to include this uh, quick review. When was the last time you came out of a theater and said, holy cow, that was wild. Prepare to say it with everything, everywhere, all at once. A sci-fi action comedy from the Daniels. That would be Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinhardt. Okay, these two guys used to uh, make music videos, probably most famously Torn Down for What by DJ Snake. Eye-popping visuals are a big part of this movie. And their first foray into film was a very odd movie called Swiss Army Man, in which Paul Dano um, is friends with a floppy corpse, played by Daniel Radcliffe of Harry Potter fame. Everything Everywhere All at Once has a great cast. Uh, stars Michelle Yeoh of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon fame, uh, the James Bond movie Tomorrow Never Dies, and of course many Hong Kong action movies. Um, Keho Kwan, um, who you remember as Short Round in the Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom movie, as well as Data from Goonies. It's great to see him back. Stephanie Hsu, who is uh, primarily a stage actress. Most recently, she was in the Marvel movies Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. And then Jamie Lee Curtis, who's uh, just having a wonderful time playing a a, a murderous IRS agent here with relish. Okay, so the plot is Yo plays a Chinese-American woman, Evelyn, whose life is a mess. She can't communicate with her daughter, Joy, who's played by Shu. Her marriage to Wayman, that's Quan, is falling apart and she doesn't even know it. And their laundromat is in serious financial trouble. As the movie begins, they're being audited by an IRS agent, played by Curtis, when suddenly Wayman begins acting strangely, talking more confidently, and telling Evelyn that she must connect with parallel universe versions of herself, such as a martial arts expert, an opera singer, a movie star, to prevent a powerful being from causing the destruction of them all. That's all I can say about the plot. 
Everything Everywhere All at Once is bursting with imagination. The martial arts fights are often as hilarious as they are thrilling, and the visuals and costumes are just surreal, as though they were designed by Salvador Dali. This movie is funny, exciting, strange, philosophical, and tender, because it's ultimately about very human emotions. My only complaint is it's also so crammed with crazy stuff that it's maybe 15 to 20 minutes too long, but this is a movie you'll want to see. Everything, everywhere, all at once, highly recommended. Where can people find us? People can find us on Facebook and Instagram. That was a very cute, tell me where, face. <laughs> uh, <laughs> on Facebook and Instagram, at Papaholics uh, Podcast. On Twitter, at Papaholics. Oh, Dad, I do want to know, are we going to shut down the Twitter now that Elon Musk is <clears throat> the owner of Twitter? <laughs> I don't know. Something, something for you to think about. Um, I was hoping we would all get free Teslas. It would be nice, but you know, I just, I just feel like there's not, I, <laughs> maybe it's pessimistic of me to say, but I just don't trust a man with that much money. I just don't trust it. Evil, evil genius vibes. I don't like it. Um, so, so anyway, <laughs> Dr. Evil, Dr. Evil, Scott. Facebook and Instagram, <laughs> <laughs> Instagram Papahawks podcast, Twitter, at Papaholics. And then please, if you have any suggestions for streaming, reading, listening to, experience, whatever, send us an email to papaholicspodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Give your pet a hug and tell them you love them. For yeah. Papaholics, I'm Steve Hall. I'm Kate Hall. Go out and enjoy pop culture. Bye.